everybody. G'day, g'day, and welcome back to another episode of A Lot to Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybrook. But of course, you can call me Brad, and I'm very excited to be here. It feels like a minute. It's been about a month since we filmed the last podcast. Lockdown here in Oz, but I tell you what, lockdown on the beach on the coast is not so bad at all, and I cannot complain. I feel really grateful to be doing this, and I'm excited for this month. We're bringing a whole heap of content back your way to enjoy most likely from your lounge room. And today's guest is a great way to kick it off. It's kind of trending where we left off that conversation of you getting the most out of, in fact, just you and making the most out of these times for a little bit of self growth and development. So I've been very privileged to come across the very wonderful Mumta Saha. She is a psychologist and TEDx speaker. And what caught my eye and the reason I asked her to be here today was her 17 or 16 minute talk on TEDx, which was titled Five Steps to Being Your Best Self. I'm going to introduce her right now and let her jump in in a minute. But just before I do, I want to set the tone for this podcast with a quote from that conversation. And Mumta said, as higher education and life continues to adjust to the new normal, Has there been a better time to focus, take stock and reflect on all the lessons learned, all of the wisdom you've gathered and continue to breathe? And I think that is a bloody beautiful way to start this conversation. So Mumta, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Thank you so much, Brad. I'm really well. Thank you so much for your kind words. It's my absolute pleasure. And like I said, that really stood out for me. There was almost like, you know, I've got this habit of not being super present when I take in information. I'm a bit of a a brain that seems to bobble between a few things at once. And I was sitting there listening to that for the first time and it really caught my ear and I stopped. And then I really paid attention for the duration of that conversation. And, And the one thing I loved was, as we spoke about before we jumped on here, how relatable you make it for everyone. Like you're obviously... Of, of an incredible intelligence with your qualifications and, and the communications and conversations you have with such um, interesting human beings on your podcast as well and in your work life. But I really understood and felt like I was able to practically put into place the things that I learned from your conversation or from your talk, I should say. And I wanted to have you here today to, to break down and, you know, part of what you discussed was doing this and, and going through those five steps to being a better self whilst we're in this lockdown and whilst we're living in this world of pandemic. And it is quite a tumultuous time as we've sort of touched mm. on as well, just in our conversation before hitting record. And I really wanted to just dive in and, and talk about firstly your story and give the audience an idea of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So where do I start? Um, So I was born and raised in the East End of London. And um, I feel like singing the Will Smith song now, you know, born, you know, that program, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but don't worry, I won't go there. Um, And, um, you know, I was raised predominantly by my grandmother, who um, was like my spiritual guru, uh, because she meditated for about 30 years of her life. So not consistently meditating for 30 years but she in the morning she'd go to meditation center and in the evening she'd go to meditation center and I was raised by her because my parents were like um out there hustling working hard um and and looking after me and my younger brother and obviously my grandma as well as living with us and um I actually shared a room with my grandmother until I was 13 and um 
I um, that was out of choice. I really wanted to share a room with her because she was like my mum. Um, was really close to her, and um, she would she would tell me stories about um, her childhood and um, the wisdom that she had learned through her meditation. And would help me, you know, when I'd have a scrap with my brother and like we'd be beating each other up. She, you know, she'd say, talk little, draw much. That was her famous little saying, which is, you know, um, don't waste your energy. Just observe what's going on. Notice what's going on and sidestep that conflict or think about how you're going to handle it. So she was teaching me strategies, really, um, to survive, um, to survive in life. And um it really got me interested in the power of mind because um, academically I really struggled a lot. So I struggled not because I fell into a bad crowd or anything, but I struggled because I really um, found it difficult to retain information. So I'd repeatedly have to like reset exams and everything. And it was really frustrating. Um, and then I was like, hold on a minute. What's Nani, my grandmother, what, sh- what has she been saying? I like, use my mind um, for my benefit, for my gains. What can I do? So that's when I really tapped into my internal narrative and um, went a bit crazy and started putting posters up on my wall. Like the longest journey begins with the smallest steps. Nothing is impo- impossible. You can do it. Just do it. And all of those things. And um I got onto my master's in occupational psychology somehow at a really good university. I literally just had to like beg my way in. This is very strict. Um, and um, I thought, well, this is my chance now. This is my chance to prove to myself that nothing is impossible. And um, I couldn't believe it when I stood there at the end of the academic year that I pretty much cried th- through the whole year, phoning my mom saying, I don't think I could do this. And she'd say, all right, then come home and we'll find you a rich man and we'll get you married. And I'm like, uh, I don't think I can do that either. <laughs> so that was my parents like kind of um, outlet. They were saying, look, don't stress yourself. If you can't study, maybe this is not for you. Maybe you should just be a mom. And, um, you know, quite a sexist household I was raised in that, you know, maybe you should just get married and, um, you know, you'd be an amazing mom. And, um, and, and that's your, that will be your life's problems solved. And I, just couldn't accept that within um and so when I got my degree when I got my master's it was like unbelievable and then I really use affirmations and um the power of affirmations with everything that I did and then I started saying to myself like, I'm going to get my I'm going to get myself on tv I'm going to get myself on the radio I'm going to be doing a TED talk I'm going to be um, speaking to the CEO of the company I was working for at the time and I just project these things and I'd be so cocky and sure of myself and I irritated a lot of people because when it came down to it um, you know when it came down to looking at the quality of my work it was like I was very good at my craft you know, very good at talking very good at coaching people and empowering but when it came to looking at my spreadsheets and everything it was just an embarrassment so people would be like hold on a minute this is not making sense but that didn't get in my way because I'd worked so hard to kind of get there that I wasn't taking no for an answer. And I guess that's what has brought me to this place right now is um, I've realized um, where my strengths lie, which is in working with people and um, um, and also just believing in myself and getting my message out there to the layman. I want to make psychology practical, real. Um, I want to make it accessible. Why should people have to pay lots of money to be a therapist? And that's why if you see on my Instagram, I'm trying to always, I'm always trying to share helpful nuggets of practical advice that people can can follow because I know that if it wasn't for the things that I read or the wisdom that I received growing up um, and the insights that I gathered, then 
I don't know where I'd be. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's my that's my little story. I love that because I think that's quite a unique way to be brought up, right? Where you know, even as you know, we spoke about this before. For everyone listening or watching, we had a, a nice little ten or so minutes chatting before we jumped on and hit record here, and we kind of spoke about our lives and growing up. And I was I was telling Mum to that. I've been really blessed with a beautiful family and great friends around me, but it wasn't really until I became older that I guess mindfulness and thinking about your psychology was really, really a part of my being and really a part of daily practice and thought where you've had your grandmother who from such a young age has almost without um, drilling it into you, like you've just been a byproduct of, existing around her and being around her and that's a really unique way to be brought up what is that conversation like as you enter your teens and your early 20s where you've understood Mm. this stuff and been present with it for so long but a lot of the people around you haven't yeah I'll be really honest that's such an amazing question thank you Brad um I found it very difficult to connect with people um, because I felt, and, and not to say anyone's better or worse, it was just the level of awareness and, um, you know, um, the, the level of superficiality that I was around. I just, I didn't have the capacity to really know how to navigate in those situations. So I'd really struggle with shallow conversations um, and like networking events because I'd want to talk about the power of visualization. And my husband's like, you can't talk about these things when you first meet people like why not it's all about this person's just being negative it's not good for their energy and he's like yeah but they're politicians like you know like they're being really honest like uh okay so I did struggle for a very long time but um and I and I tried to become something I wasn't so I could fit in and that was you know and I failed big time because um I think when you're inauthentic you always get found out and then you just get frustrated within yourself because you're like who am I anyway um and so I'm really now, obviously, I'm a little bit older than, than 20s. Um, but I, I look back now and I think to myself, I wish I just, ha- I wish I could have been a little bit more comfortable with not connecting with as many people as my other friends had connected with or people looked like they were connecting with and being okay that and confident that, you know, my tribe will gravitate towards me and I just got to have faith in being myself that's what's happened now you know I've got beautiful community around me I've got lovely friends and not to say that I don't talk to people who are not on the same emotional uh, maturity or emotional intelligence level as me not at all it's just I know how to manage myself in those situations better and I don't take things personally so if I don't connect with someone it's I don't see it as there's something wrong with me I just see it as everyone's on their own journey and we all have different values and different interests and it's okay it's it's good it's I, I think it's I think whoever's meant to be in my life is meant to be. But earlier it was hard. Most definitely. And I feel that. And the reason I asked that question is because whilst my, like I said, it wasn't super present within my mind, the things that you were thinking growing up, for me being born with cystic fibrosis and a chronic illness, I was so health aware and so presently aware of like what I was putting into my body and the way I treated my body that in my early teens, I had a similar frustration, but in the sense that I couldn't understand this like need or want to binge drink or for people to use recreational drugs. And it used to frustrate me and I didn't know how to communicate that. 
it become mm. frustration and almost closing myself off and stepping away from people. And it took some real time to actually sit with mm. and understand that I could truly and authentically be myself and learn to tackle that and communicate that message in a different way. And that, I think that just come with maturity, mm. as you said, through time and really working on just being you and being authentic and having those conversations in a way that isn't um, sort of like you jumping at someone or, or throwing something in their face that you feel, you know, that they right. don't. And, mm. and that's what I think comes down to relatability. And the, the reason that you're so easy to understand is you have this really gentle nature about the way you approach this conversation for you. Like as you start to get out of university, you know, the, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the typical path for someone in the psychology field seems to be within an office or within clinics or a hospital. What was the idea? You said you had this aspiration to be, you know, in front of a camera on social media. Where does that come from? Well, after I finished my um, master's, I was on, like, I honestly was like so overwhelmed that I'd even got that far because it had been so, like such a hard slog and failure after failure after failure that I just almost couldn't get my head around it. And then I'd realized the power in just um, having conviction and um, certainty around what you wanted. And then I made a list and I remember my flatmate at the time thinking I was nuts because I was like, I'm going to make a list of all the things I want and I'm going to go and do them. And she's like, what's on your list? I said, well, I'm, I'm about like five foot one something. I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to get a modeling. I'm going to be a modeling. Um, I'm going to be a model. I'm going to be part of a modeling agency. I am going to sing. I love singing. I'm going to have a track that's signed and released. Um, I'm going to work with a, a particular producer. I'm also going to be on TV loads and the radio and stuff. And she's like, uh, all right, good luck. Um, and so I, I managed to get onto the graduate scheme at BP, British Petroleum, which was great. Um, and then I sort of thought to myself, that list, it, it's good, but this is gold. Like I really should, I should really should focus. This is everything. But something in me was missing. I was like, I'm, I want those things. So what, why am I getting in my own way? I'm going to go and get those things. And so I don't even know how it happened. I uploaded some photos onto this website and um, I got um, approached by the Telegraph newspaper, which is like quite a, like a good newspaper in the UK to do this shoot that they were doing. And then I met a makeup artist there and she's like, you should contact this agency because, they, you know, they do advertorial stuff and you'll get loads of work. I was like, all right then. And then like literally I modelled the Gap and I modelled the HSBC and wow. T-Mobile and various other companies um, and I'd be in leaflets and stuff and um, and then I, I sang and um, I was um, picked to sing on a track with Frankie Knuckles um, who's a, who was a house producer unfortunately passed away a few years ago uh, and um, DJ Silky and so I was on a track that was signed and released and got to number one in the dance chart <laughs> so wow. um, yeah I just um, and I'm still a bit like that so um, as much as I've had my businesses and I've worked for, and I still, and I have my business right now and I work for corporate organizations in-house, I haven't, um, that hasn't been, um, that hasn't been everything for me. It's like, I'm going to do whatever I'm passionate about and there's nothing's going to get in my way. And I have met a couple of people um, who, and very recently I was actually asked by someone like, you can't do it all. And I was like, why not? you know yes you can do it all and it's you need to start believing that you can do it all 
so that you can get into a place where you can empower others to do it all so that we're not saying to everyone, you've just got to have a nine to fiver and that's your life done. If you've got a dream, go for it because you just never know um, what's going to happen. I cannot echo that enough. And it's, it's really funny that we lead into this form of conversation to talk about almost achieving multiplicity in your life, right? Because one of the people that I've been, I found myself studying like certain people and creatives throughout the course of lockdown. And I'm Mm. one of those personalities that when I find someone, I really like the work and I like the way they talk. I just grab onto that and I'm so clingy with that person and learning from them and and hearing everything they have to say. I'm going to searching YouTube podcast platforms for any bit of content I can find. And the first person I really studied throughout the course of this, so actually, in fact, the first two people were Pharrell Williams and a guy named Virgil Abloh, who is the creator of Mm Off-White and the head designer at Louis Vuitton. And both of those guys quite consistently speak about being a pluralist and being someone who can do many things at once. And the fact Mm -hmm. that we're all born to be that way, right? But we've pigeonholed ourselves to be the psychologist or the podcast host or the real estate agent. And you kind of feel like you can't get outside of the, the linear line that you've set for Mm. yourself and you can't be doing many things. And I've decided to challenge myself a little bit because I'd almost inherently sort of narrowed myself into that space because this feels so purpose driven to me, but I want to be challenged. And I love that you talk Mm. about that because you know, that, that theory of belief, another conversation I had with a friend of mine just the other day about belief systems. And ultimately what you believe is 100% what you become because your belief system mimics is then mimicked by your behaviors and your behaviors create the end result. And so that I love that you have this thought process that allows you to dive into so many areas of your life and ultimately Thank it's led you. to us connecting and it's led to so many connecting with you. So I'm so grateful you have that mindset. And oh, so I guess, I guess I really want to unpack, you know, I spoke about it in, in a conversation recently with, with Hannah, the one that you listened to and the one that we connected off the back of. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about vulnerability being the bridge to connect people from different worlds and for you, was it a real challenge to know and be studied in your field, but then to be vulnerable and to share your experiences and things that can be a little bit confronting to put out on social media and in front of larger audiences Mm. to in fact help people? Yes, 100%. So um, when you're training to be a psychologist, the grooming that you get, and, and this is why I'm really passionate about people going to see a qualified psychologist or a psychotherapist. Groomish, grooming that you get is really rigorous. And you are taught to be objective and biased and not to share anything about yourself because you are fully there for your clients. It's not about you. So I, um, having had this training, I was very closed, um, very, very closed. I didn't share anything with anyone. And I remember, I remember when we first moved to Dubai, um, I thought I've got to I've got to speak to someone about this big problem that I've got and I went to see a psychologist I said I've got a big problem she's like what what problem have you got and said I can't share my problems and she's like she just started laughing and she's like why not and I said because 
I'm supposed to be the one who's there for everyone. And I, I just find it very uncomfortable complaining or um, talking about what's going on with me. And she said, look, I go out with my friends all the time. I moan about my husband. I moan about this. I complain about that. I talk about my challenges. I'm like, really, do you? And so for me at that point, I'd got permission to share um, and just feel comfortable in sharing um, what was going on for me. But what I've learned is because I am, I'm deeply reflective and I'm very, very feelings orientated. So and I think that is me with my psychologist hat on, but you apply that to your own life. And I'm also deeply self-critical because constantly observing yourself, people think psychologists are looking around observing others. No, 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 no. We are mindful of ourselves when we're not practicing coaching someone or being in therapy. We are, it's like, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Why am I thinking that? Where did that come from? Is it childhood trauma? What, how can I solve that? So um, I became... It's taken a long time for me to be vulnerable and to open up. Um, I even, you know, during my TED talk, I was I was a little bit nervous to be sharing about my grandmother, sharing what I shared for me was such a big deal. And should I ever get be blessed with another opportunity um, to do another TED talk, I would definitely be a lot more vulnerable than that because it was very scary. But now I have started to open up because um, only selectively, only to people I feel comfortable with, um, because I find it's very freeing. And it's enabling for others, um, but it hasn't it hasn't been easy for me. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's almost the stigma that, like, oh, well, you're a psychologist, you should have everything together. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then we're all human. One hundred percent, we're all human. And actually, I find with my clients, um, I'm coaching a couple of married couples at the moment, and I find that um, when I do share things about the dynamics of my relationship or how I've handled conflict or you know, sticky situations that they might be finding themselves in, I see this light relief on their faces. And I say to them, look, um, is this, is it helpful? Can I share an example with you? And they're like, yes, please do. This is really helpful. It, it lets them know that actually nobody's perfect. I'm not, I'm far from perfect. I have so many flaws. It's unbelievable. Nobody's perfect. Um, and that there is real power and connection in sharing. Without a doubt. And I've, you know, as I said, I think with vulnerability and it's something that I've learned, especially with my podcast guests, that I've been really privileged to have some incredible conversations with people who have walked into the room, being a stranger, um, you know, within about 10 or so minutes, if you can acquaint yourself and share a few things that are a little bit vulnerable, by the end of it, you walk out with this friendship and this really incredible, um, this almost really incredible connection and it just feels like you've almost known each other for a lifetime off the back of just that conversation and I think that's so special I'm really interested to hear Mumta you know we're in these very weird times right now where the pandemic and lockdowns and COVID has changed the way that a lot of us live it can be felt as or seen as quite a chaotic society right now how much has it changed your job and the way that you need to address these conversations? Yes, um, I think anxiety is obviously at an all-time high and anxiety is all about control. It's about con wanting to control the future or control what's happening now and, and not being able to do that. Um, and so anxiety has really increased. Um, also what's happened is if there were niggling issues in relationships or dynamics, family dynamics, they've come to the fore because people haven't been able to escape to work, get away from the house, whatever, um, so that these issues have become 
bigger and highlighted as something to that people have to deal with. Um, I think people have, yeah, they um, they realize that they're actually burnt out. Uh, and I'm generalizing here, but from the conversations that I've had, they're, they're burnt out, not because life is crazy, it's because there's so much internal chaos. So, and this was, this was a driver for my TED talk, actually. It's like, it's almost like five steps to freedom. How can you free yourself from this hamster wheel that you're constantly on round and round and round that doesn't ever stop because you're not cutting yourself enough slack. So those, I'd say, were the three main three main um, challenges that have really come to the fore during this, these difficult days. And do you think that it's, you know, you said, you said there that you're almost not cutting yourself enough slack. And I think this time for me anyways has really exposed some flaws in, in my routine and my life. And it's really, you're almost so present with yourself um, or, you know, there's so much time in isolation. There's so much time where you can't be distracted by the things or the people around you that you have to sit and assess your life. And I realized I was actually quite confused in the way that I was pursuing a lot of the things that I hold really close to my chest, like the podcast mm-hmm. and had found myself maybe a little bit off track. And, you know, are there any tips that you have for people if they're being confronted with some confusion and with some of those conversations in their own head? ways for them to bring that to the surface and work through it? Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm a strong advocate of journaling. I think journaling is very, very powerful. So writing down what you're thinking, why you think you might be feeling that, where is this coming from? So ask yourself quite specific questions. I've actually got a post on this, um, on journaling, some specific questions to journal on, because sometimes it can be like, where do I even start? You know, um, so what am I thinking? Why am I thinking this? Where is this coming from? Um, how how would love react to this challenge? God react to this challenge if you're if you're into God, or how would the universe react to this challenge? What would Pharrell Williams do? You know, your mentors um, think about um, changing your perspective on what's coming up for you. And the more you write, the more you the more you take it out of your body, your head and your heart and onto the page, the clearer it becomes. I also um, just sitting, sitting with things like, like you did, just sitting with things and allowing yourself to slow your world down and being OK with the discomfort that that brings. And this is the thing. It does bring discomfort because you're like, oh, God, what am I doing? I've been doing it for so long. Should I just carry on doing it? Or no, actually, should I just should I take that slightly harder, challenging route to reflect on you know, what's happening, what's, what, what has brought me to this situation right now. And um, being kind to yourself. I think there's a lot of research in, like there's a lot of compassion research that says that we're more able and more likely to be compassionate with others when we can extend that compassion to ourselves first. And if you can't be kind to yourself, then um, you have to think about um, how, that's impacting your family dynamics, how that's impacting your health, how's that, how that's impacting your um, children. Uh, so thinking about how can I be kind to myself? How can I forgive myself? And maybe making a few wrong choices and being all right with that and just extracting the wisdom from that. So um, yeah, there's some reflection points there. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. It definitely does because I actually started journaling through the beginning of this lockdown, because for me, it was sometimes it's, it's hard to communicate confusion to others, right? Where you don't even know what you're thinking or how to say it. 
it's actually quite, it's mm. like quite hard to communicate. So for me, I started just writing and it's something that I guess the idea was sparked for me off the back of Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. And the consistent theme of him journaling his life. And there was something he wrote in that book that really stood out to me. And it was that he wishes he journaled more in the good times, not just the bad ones. And so I was like, well, throughout this practice, I really need to put words on paper, not just when I'm confused, but when I feel really good about things, almost those reminders as to the things I was doing and the routines in my life that allowed me to feel so good about where I was at. And it's funny yeah. because for me, the journaling actually turned into me writing a memoir, a book on my wow. life, which amazing. through the course of lockdown is now 26,000 words in and oh, has wow. turned into a conversation with publishers and like, it's kind of amazing. taken a life of its own. But I said yeah. to a friend of mine the other day that he asked me about the experience of writing the book, what that's been like. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I almost said, it's almost like not in a righteous way, but advanced journaling where when you write 26,000 words and it may be 5,000 words or 10,000 or even 2000 for someone else, you really mm-hmm. start to see trends and patterns in your life that start to re- really make sense around the certain behaviors you have and the ups and the downs and just the ebbs and flows of your journey. And I noticed for me that, some of the moments that some would maybe consider chaotic with my health, where there is a sharp decline in my condition or my health or the way that I feel off the back Mm. of it. It was a catalyst every time for real change in my career and my life and the way that I lived. And for me, that was actually quite educational to go, okay, I know why my life tends to trend in this way where every few years there is this dramatic change. And how can I work with that and be a little bit more present with that? So the next time that comes up, I make sure that I'm making the right decision. I make sure that it's the right thing for me. And it's just been a a really nice process. So I would recommend it to anyone. Like, right. I'd even say write a book on your life. 100%. I I definitely think that everyone has a book in them and, um, and then you just need to get it out. And the thing is, it's, um, it's a gift to the world. Your book is a gift to the world. So if you can get it out it's and park all of the narratives that's telling you're not good enough or you can't write or you're not a writer, like if you can write, if you can write a sentence, you're a writer, basically. Get it out and give it to the world and it will just take its own life form. And I love that um, point around journaling when things are good. Actually, a practice that I do, a morning and evening ritual that I have is even when I'm before I'm getting out of bed or getting into bed, when I'm in bed, Um, when I go to sleep I think of 10 things I'm grateful for and when I wake up in the morning I just think of 10 things I'm grateful for and that's a really lovely um, start to my day and I think of an intention actually an intention when I wake up so my intention for today is to be calm or to be kind or to think about my own self-care whatever it might be so um, it definitely helps doesn't it It does. Mm. I've I've had a practice for some time now when I go for a run and I love running and it's been something that's new to me. So the last year and a bit, and when I'm on a long run and I start to feel quite tired or fatigued, I, it's, I call it counting my blessings. It's like I say, I'm blessed to run. I'm blessed to be healthy. I'm blessed to be out here in the fresh air. I'm blessed that my worst day would be considered someone's best. And then I just go, I'm blessed. And for me, yeah. it never fails to put me in a bad mood and make that run feel oh. a whole lot better and a whole lot lighter on the legs. So to follow on from 
all of this discussion around the things that we can be doing in a lockdown, in a pandemic, when we have more time to self-reflect and to think about where we're at and be present with life. One thing that struck me in thinking about this interview and having this conversation was very soon, especially here in Australia, and we hope so, that very soon across the world we'll all be heading out of this period, out of lockdown, and there's going to be this influx of social interaction again, this influx of energy and almost like the anxiety of the world that we used to live in that was so high-paced and so full-on after such a rest period is going to hit us all at once again like a ton of bricks. And I wonder if there's any advice you have for everyone listening, watching, and also for myself when Mm -hmm. re-entering this world that we once knew. What would your advice be to make sure that we handle that correctly? So I would say it's really important to uh, know what your boundaries are. So what are your boundaries in four areas? So um, four areas of vitality that Harvard Business School talk about. I mentioned this on my TED talk. So spiritual vitality, emotional vitality, physical vitality, and mental vitality. Um, We've had so much time to reflect, to recoup, to delve into those areas in our own little worlds and come form a routine that we're comfortable with. A lot of us have. So how are you going to uphold those going forward? Because, you know, people will be wanting to go out for drinks more or wanting to play an extra game of pool or like, oh, you know, go for a longer lunch or whatever it might be when you may have been walking in I mind doing a mindful walk in the park at the hour instead. So what are you going to absolutely uphold? Write these things down. Also, there's a lot of research um, around goal setting and intention setting in relation to your values at the start of any project. So psychologists looked at um, at kids in America and um, they had two groups of, of children. So one group set intentions, thought about their values and thought about how they were going to uphold their values through the academic year. And the other group didn't do anything at all. And obviously the group who did do that right at the beginning of the academic year were leaps and bounds ahead as the other group who didn't do anything at all. And that just shows the power in having these intentions and boundaries. But think about your values because your values make you unique, they're your anchor. And um, if for anyone who doesn't know what their values are, um, just think about when times are good, what's, what's there for you. And when times are not so good, what's missing and you'll get your value. So when times are good, maybe you had freedom, you had respect, you know, you were supported, etc. And when times are bad, those three things or four things may have been missing and set some, set some goals around those values. How are you going to uphold them for the year? And check in with yourself, carve out time in your diary, put those, put those moments in now lunch with myself or cinema date with myself you know walk walk in nature have those things in your diary already there's nothing stopping anyone from doing that so that when your mate says let's go for a road trip you say oh I'm so sorry I've already got something at that hour um maybe we can do the following day or something I absolutely love that. And I think that's an incredible way to think of it, anchors and values. Mm-hmm. And I know that listening to, like I, I said, some... you, Brad. can you hear me okay there? Can you hear me okay? Oh, I can't hear you. Hello. And unmute sometimes. Um, sometimes Zoom can... Oh, there you are. Got you. Can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. We lost touch for a second there. Um, Sorry. That's okay. 
I love the way that you put that there talking about anchors and values. And I know that watching and listening to a lot of incredible people over the course of this lockdown, like I touched on before, they all have those anchors in their, their life and those things that are forming a part of their routine in their hectic schedules. So I think it's a really practical way to think of it. The last thing that I want to touch on here before I let you go is if you could have some words of wisdom to leave with the audience, one thing that you'd hope they remember off the back of this whole podcast, what would it be? Okay. So my advice would be to just know that time flies really quickly. So cut yourself some slack, try and be present and love what is. Because before we know it, the day is going to move on. It's going to be the next day, the next week, the next hour. And that time won't come back. So think about what you can find in each moment just to love what is. I absolutely love that as a way to finish. Love what is. Thank you so much to the incredible mum to Saha. I feel very privileged to have shared this conversation with you. And I'm going to make sure that all of your socials and all the links to your podcast and everywhere that people can find you across the web is here in the show description. I feel very grateful to have had you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been so much fun talking to you and I look forward to speaking to you again. You're a gem. Thank you. Take care.